Welcome to a brand spanking new episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. It's so shiny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're recording uh, on this beautiful spring day in the treehouse here with Mark Whitlock, our uh, wizard here, executive producer and maker of all things marvelous hey, <laughs> hey hey mark how are you i'm well okay and and newton is here hey hey. he doesn't he he climbs uh, up the outside of the you building comes in him. through the window yeah <laughs> yeah yeah sneak in unannounced <laughs> the red, the he's red's we- missing he's wearing all black his face is painted and he's got a bag with stuff in it i don't know what's going on <laughs> oh and uh, uh i don't know what to do with that <laughs> And Aaron had to check out. He had a he had an emergency that came up uh, that uh, he'll miss our time today, but uh, he will be with us next week. Okay, all right. Well, at least he won't be interrupting and asking interesting questions. <laughs> right. <laughs> we love you, Aaron. Yeah, I love that guy. How's the week been? I know we've got a great guest coming up and yeah. and a good topic to tackle, Newton. Um, man, I will actually. I, I walked in today kind of angry. Just uh, day hadn't gone like I wanted it to, but mm-hmm. I tell you what, I um last night I had the opportunity to spend um, a day with a good friend of mine as he got ready to initiate his son, oh, who was turning eighteen, got wow. to initiate him into manhood. Oh yeah, yeah, and it was it, it was pretty awesome. Um, it was I mean, we've interviewed uh, Scott Dente about that. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. We talked about it with a couple yeah, of guys. Yeah. So having I knew you guys were planning that. You did it out at Rawwood, right? Yep. Having the opportunity to 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 help uh-huh. was was pretty cool. Seeing a dad and and all of the things like if you think getting ready for a regular birthday party is one thing, <laughs> I, I think be a dad getting ready to do that. Um, yeah. So seeing that was you did was an initiation awesome. experience for a boy uh, who is uh, he was turning eighteen yesterday. Turning 18, was his eighteenth yeah. birthday. Yeah. Um, and so just getting to having the chance to participate in that and yeah. see that. Um, same, same when we interviewed Scott a while back, it was emotional for me because I wished that I'd had that experience. Yes. But now I get to look forward to that experience. Oh Um, boy. It was, it was really something else. Yeah. It was, it was pretty awesome. The weather, the weather sucked. Yeah. Um, but we got a fire lit and, uh, it was, man, it was a big time. It was proper Irish weather for an initiation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, but it it was awesome. So it was, it was a long day, but it was really good. So. Um, that makes up for an otherwise uh, rain-filled kind of boring week. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've had a good week. Allie and I went to a hipster wedding over the weekend. Ah, uh, and uh, so Tom Waits was there. <laughs> so. I'm not going to tell you who was there because you might recognize some of the names. They was low key, but they did it. They didn't do it at a church. They did it at the Franklin Theater. Ah. Uh, and with guests came in from the two coasts, and it was a and it was a, a punk rock crowd. Yeah. So, uh, lots of tattoos and oddly colored hair and and interesting fashion choices, and uh, and it was not your traditional. It was very 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 Christian. Huh. It was very 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 non traditional. Cool. Huh. So, huh. I mean, they opened with. Movie clips. I mean, they pulled the curtain in the theater huh. and did movie clips. Of course, began with the classic Mowage, you know, from, <laughs> right, right, Princess Bride, Princess right? Bride, and then a bunch of other clips. And I knew most of the movies. There's one I didn't know: Paul Rudd dropping the f bomb, <laughs> uh, talking about how 
marriage is just real cynical take. Like marriage is like an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond, but without the laughs. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. And it isn't over in 22 minutes. It goes on forever, oh, right? Oh, wow. So it's like... Let's be serious about what we're getting into, yeah. Which is really nice, right? yeah. And then the you know the the, the 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 wedding party comes in and the and the the uh, you know the the groomsmen outnumber the bridesmaids two to one, and they're nobody's huh. nobody's wearing gowns and tuxes. It's it's all you know. yeah. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you what, um, Jamie, the pastor of Journey, did the ceremony. And did as fine a job. It made me feel bad for every wedding I've mailed in. <laughs> he did mm-hmm. a- note note to everyone that's listening that's had a wedding performed by Nate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've always do- I, it's not that I mailed it in, but I, I I've always just done the traditional vows. Sure, right? Yeah. And Jamie did a traditional service without using a single traditional word or phrase. Wow. Uh, that's, that's care. I, it was awesome, and here's the thing. And then he also he spoke to the bride and the groom, mm-hmm. and he did. I saw the power of affirmation during that service because he spoke to that young man and told him uh, what a good man he is, oh, uh, and how much he trusts him and respect. And 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 everybody in the room knows this guy's not perfect. Sure. Um, and that groom almost lost it. Mm. Oh wow. Just trying to hold together and not break out in tears, you know. And then he affirms the bride. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. Wow. And it was it was so not your average typical typical wedding. Bizarre. That was you know It made the weekend though. We had a blast, yeah. Ellie and I. And yeah. we like Brooke and I had <clears throat> you know, the traditional kind of wedding. We actually moved our wedding date up and had to like rush to find a pastor. Uh-huh. You know, I was an emotional mess and was like, I don't want to wait. Let's just get married and blah, blah, blah. I was yeah. looking, you know, <clears throat> that's a different podcast episode. But we had sort of the, the canned kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And having gone to a lot more weddings in yeah. the last 16 years, we went to a wedding at Redeemer yeah. that was officiated by our friend Thomas McKenzie. Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, good friend of mine. And, he, you know, the thing sort of starts and Thomas walks out to start doing the wedding. Yeah. And um he looks at the audience, he says, All right, you guys, um in his kind of true Texan clean speaking way. Yeah. He said, uh, you guys out there, I'm gonna talk to these guys for a minute. Be quiet. Uh I'm gonna talk to them. You <laughs> yeah. get just you just get to watch. Yeah. And then he spent five, maybe ten minutes talking yeah. to my two friends that were getting married. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, gosh, Wish I could have had that. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it was so cool. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like sort of the experience yeah. that, that they had. Really you know? wonderful. Really it gets wonderful. their wedding. Yeah. You know, it's great. Uh, it's also been a crazy week for me, which is why I apologize. Uh, our people don't know this because when they, <laughs> the, 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 when they dial up the podcast, it'll show up like it always does. But I got here half an hour late, 15 minutes after we were supposed to start, my phone rings. <laughs> and then I realize it's Wednesday. And that kind of is a measure of how my life is going. That's yeah. okay. Oh, 90 yeah. miles an hour. It's on the just so relaxed. You're so relaxed that you forget what day it is. Yeah. That must be it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like vacation every yeah. day in the Larkin household. I've got four <laughs> consecutive weekends in Canada starting uh, starting this weekend. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
Can I give you my frequent flyer number? <laughs> <laughs> you want some miles? <laughs> yeah, you're not giving him miles. You want yeah, some yeah, miles. Yeah. Yeah. And my week has been uh, twofold. Uh, on the, the downside, um, I'm, I own my own business, and I've been picking up a lot of momentum over the last few months. And now my past is mm-hmm. coming to roost. Mm-hmm. Uh, people that I have wronged, people that I, whose deadlines I blew, um, people who I you know messed over financially mm-hmm. are now in circles with people that I'm doing business with, yeah. and um, they're telling them to stay away from me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm coming face to face with my past, yeah. and the fact that I'm not the same guy I was five years ago. Yeah, and I think for the first time in the recovery journey, I'm ready to do amends, and I'm I'm lost. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, I tried to rush through it like everybody does in in the first heady days of recovery. And, yeah. But now, I, now I need to do it for real, and I'm gonna be seeking direction and trying to do it with with care and good. with with uh, the gospel grace involved. And on the good side, um, you know, uh, been it's been almost a year since I've been spending every other weekend with uh, my youngest daughter. And we've had good times and bad, and they've been bad over the last three or four months. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And we had a really good weekend. Did that's last awesome. Weekend. And I just am so grateful to God for uh. for uh, four hours, especially on Sunday. Well, when I picked her up, she was the little girl when she's thirteen, so she's the preteen, the teenager yeah. that I just know and love. Yeah. And we had some rocky points, but then the last four hours on Sunday, it's like. This is the girl I know, uh, and it was it was beautiful. It was beautiful. So That's we've so we've covered hear. we've covered weddings. <laughs> yeah, we've covered initiation. We've covered relationships and past and secrets. And that sounds like a great time to talk about um, marriage and relationships and friendships with men and women. And uh, yeah, well, that's uh, it, well, it's just fortunate that we are teed up to actually have an interview and a conversation on exactly that topic. Wonder if you can take us back, Mark, before we open this, find us a good classic uh, movie clip that might introduce the topic. You got it. Here, hold on one second. All right, all right. Let's just say, just for the sake of argument, that it was a come on. What do you want me to do about it? I take it back, okay? I take it back. You can't take it back. Why not? Because it's already out there. Oh, geez, what are we supposed to do? Call the cops, it's already out there. Just let it lie. Okay. Great. Let it lie. That's my policy. That's what I always say. Let it lie. Want to spend a night in a motel? See what I did? I didn't let it lie. Harry. I said I would and then I didn't. Harry. I went the other way. Harry. What? We are just going to be friends, okay? Great, friends. It's the best thing. You realize, of course, that we can never be friends. Why not? What I'm saying is... And this is not a come on in any way, shape, or form. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. That's not true. I have a number of men friends and there is no sex involved. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. You only think you do. You're saying I'm having sex with these men without my knowledge? No, what I'm saying is they all want to have sex with you. They do not. Do too. They do not. Do too. How do you know? Because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him, too. What if they don't want to have sex with you? 
doesn't matter, because the sex thing is already out there, so the friendship is ultimately doomed, and that is the end of the story. Well, I guess we're not going to be friends then. Guess not. That's too bad. You were the only person that I knew in New York. And we are back in the Pirate Monk podcast. Um, and I want to introduce you all to a friend of mine, a fellow I met a few years ago. How long has it been, Joshua, since you and I uh, walked the dusty roads of... of about four years ago, perhaps? I think so. Uh, I was with some Samson guys on a summer ramble in England. Oh, in nice. the Cotswolds, and Joshua, who at the time was—were you a campus minister there in Nottingham? Yeah, that's right. My title was university student uh, pastor. Yeah, and he—he uh, he caught wind that we were there, and and uh, came down and walked with us for the day. We had a real enjoyable time together. Joshua is back in the states now. Are you in Virginia, or where are you these days? Oh, uh, right now I'm in um, Coventry, England. Oh, you're oh. back. I, I still live in Nottingham. Still live in Nottingham. Today I'm in Coventry. Oh. I'm just around the corner from uh, Shakespeare's old stomping ground. Sure. Oh, give him my regards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're running to the bard every day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't n- remember, Joshua, whether we discussed today's question all those many years ago, but uh, it's a question that. Uh, I get at, it's an issue that that comes up quite often in our circles, and uh, you've got a take on male and female friendships. Ah, uh, uh, yes. You've written a written a, a little book called Forbidden Friendships. Yep. Uh, this is an issue that's come up just within the last week, as there's been public revelation of a long-running, uh, deep friendship between Pope John Paul II and a married woman. 32 years of secret letters. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Without a hint that it ever went physical, I guess. That's right. Okay. What is your take on the question? Can or should Christian guys, specifically married Christian guys, have friendships, deep friendships with members of the opposite sex? How do you break that down? Sure. Well, as you said, it was in the media the last week or so, not just because of uh, Pope John Paul II and his uh, friendship with Anna Teresa, but um, also the, the English actor Alan Rickman, who uh, oh. is Snape in mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, the Harry Potter series, his friendship with Emma Thompson, um, as well as Justice Anton uh, Scalia and his friendship with uh, Ruth Ginsburg. All of these are... Uh, male-female friendships that have been in the media uh, throughout the last month. And, uh, and none of these people are evangelical. Um, and it's getting a lot of press because uh, for so long, male-female friendships have been sexualized that it's actually refreshing when people see that uh, a man and a woman can have a meaningful relationship, a meaningful friendship, and it not necessarily be uh, romanticized or sexualized. And uh, as Christians, uh, whether we're married or not married, um, it's not only a, a possibility, but it is, it is something that, we, to, to varying degrees perhaps, we, we have to pursue. Uh, where we're commanded by Scripture to treat older women as mothers, to treat younger women uh, as sisters, to treat uh, of course men as fathers and brothers as well. And so uh, to divide the body of Christ or to look at the church and say, okay, I can, I can be friends with half of you, but not the other half, um, it is really tantamount to, you know, the eye saying to the hand, I have no need of you. 
Wow, it's a pretty strong position. Yeah. So that's the position that uh, I take in my book, Forbidden Friendships. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I'm sure there is uh, pushback from this, and I, frankly, I'm feeling pushback myself just because uh, so often I have seen uh, uh, intergender re- friendships cross that line first emotionally and then physically but by the way it doesn't only happen between men and women i see it happen between men and men and between women and women sure where uh right yes absolutely uh talk to us about the, the safeguards that we can and must put in place and i don't know about here's the position i take frankly uh joshua because I have such a history of being a sexual idiot, because I have objectified women uh, so much, and because I've wounded my wife so deeply with infidelity, um, I have really strict boundaries around uh, – I've plenty of women who I consider friends, but I do not meet them privately for lunch. Uh, I put myself uh, – try to keep myself out of – situations that might uh, lend themselves to misinterpretation, even in my own heart. Yeah. yeah. Not not the interpretation of others, but even their own, the own wires crossing in your in Oh, your sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And as much as I love my wife and as deeply committed to her as I am, um, I have the capacity, especially on a day when I'm feeling uh, angry, frustrated, alone, uh, you know, I could. It's it would it would be possible for me, I think, to begin to uh, mentally travel in some unsafe places. Yeah. So yeah, your your question, Nate, was I think the question you were getting to was sort of parameters and like what that would look like, and if if men and women can be friends. Yeah. How like how you set that up? How do you set it up? Yeah. Well, so first of all, we we absolutely all need boundaries in our lives. Yeah. Uh, but the the critique that I bring in forbidden friendships is that within evangelical culture over the last thirty forty years, um, as there's been some high profile scandals within the evangelical world, there's been this culture of very generalized boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, there's one well-known church, if, if I said the name, most of your listeners would know what church it is, but they have sort of a Ten Commandments that they, uh, all their staff strictly adheres to, and they expect everyone in the church to kind of follow in regards to intergender communications, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, a, there's a well-known Bible school where uh, no student is allowed to have an unchaperoned conversation with a member of the opposite sex. Uh, and they really have separate elevators and stairwells, one blue and one wow. pink, so that uh, a man and a woman will never be alone together. Um, and so we've taken boundaries, instead of them being something personal, um, you know, adapting to the individual man or the, the individual woman, um, they're just these across-the-board boundaries. Um, that is what I bring critique to, because what tempts you won't necessarily tempt me, and vice versa. And those boundaries are affirmed and talked about in the context of friendship in relationships much like we have in Samson society uh, between uh, you know the your Samson and the men you talk with yeah right um, and so uh, I 
it's the book does not advocate, for example, oh, you should meet a woman alone for coffee. Mm -hmm. uh, you should meet a woman alone for lunch. It, it doesn't go into those practical specifics. Those those change from couple to couple. It has a lot to do with what you and your wife are comfortable with. Has to do with the individual person. Has to do a lot with culture. What works in Europe is different than what works in the Middle East or India or in America. Um, but is the relationship you're pursuing one of friendship? The <laughs> the idea, because if it is friendship that you're pursuing, uh, it is very something very different from lust. In fact, it's an impulse that runs contrary to lust. Yes. Uh, certainly in my own experience, the more I've gone out of my way to... Um, approach women, and I don't mean privately, alone in an apartment, I mean in general, maybe after a church service or when there's people around. But the more I talk to women um, and genuinely care for them, ask, how are you? What can I be praying this week for you about? And genuinely then go away into my own private time, pray for those issues. Um, the more I'm moving in a spirit of love and preferring the other and really treating women like a, an older woman, like a mother, a younger woman, like a sister, if those are my impulses, it's when I'm approached with the temptation of pornography, of lusting, of acting out. In a way, it's, it's a bit of a, it serves as a bit of a deterrent. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm busy treating women like my sisters, and now I'm just going to objectify a woman. Right. Um, you know. So, I'd wind up objectifying yeah. my sister. <laughs> I mean, like, that, that, man, that's hard. That's For most men, it's easier to objectify a stranger. Sure. Um, you know, the moment we're, you know, if you're looking at porn, something pornographic and you begin to think of that girl as a person, who's her brother, who's her father, who's her mother, what does she do? Has she had a hard life? All of a sudden, the porn becomes a lot less interesting. Yes. Sure. Yeah. So as long, yeah. as, as, long as women are distant, you know, if the only relationship I have with any woman that's of any significance is that with my wife, then the only way, the only context I know a woman is within a sexual relationship. Uh huh. Uh, there's nobody I'm treating, no woman I'm treating in a platonic way. Um, women are distant, and uh, and that actually makes us more uh, vulnerable, I think, to lust. So when we have a, a healthy relationship. So if I could, if I can turn this a little bit on its on its ear. <laughs> Yeah. Um, because, because I have a hard time hearing that because, I mean, not because I so much disagree with you, but because that's hard for me. But I know in, in something like race relations, like it's hard to hate somebody that you know. Right. And it's hard. And I, I think the, the correlation I'm trying to get to is it's hard to lust after somebody that you know. Yes. You know, they're not a stranger. It's easier to lust after a stranger, even as a people type. Mm -hmm. You know, if if yeah. women are strangers, it's, is that is that the point you're making? It's easier to lust after a stranger. It's easier to quote yeah, hate absolutely. a stranger. I mean, the woman who walks by uh, on the street right now, she may be dressed in a certain way, of a certain body type. If she's just a, all I know of this strange woman is what she looks like. I know nothing else about her. And the strongest impulse between me and this woman is an impulse of maybe physical attraction or or lust. Um, if this is a childhood friend, or if this is a woman in the church who say, serves on the same team with me, um, if there's a history, if she knows my wife, if she knows my children, if I know her husband, if there are a lot of other factors between us, uh, those things can be, those things can spring to mind. Um, 
when you say, I, th I think many of us, many of our listeners would have a sister or a cousin or maybe even a childhood friend, someone we're not biologically related to, but we might know a woman we've just known for years and years and years, have experience uh, in mm -hmm. Christ, in the church, and uh, when we think of that person, we don't really think necessarily what they look like so much. That's not the, they may be pretty, they may not be pretty, but uh, that is not the defining element uh, of our connection with that person. Strangers, by contrast, are very easy to lust over if they're attract, they're pretty. Yeah. Joshua, in your book, you brought up the fact that we're not really being the body of Christ if we have these sisters in Christ that we keep uh, at bay, that uh, we as men are not are actually participating in the body of Christ. And you know, I reflect back on uh, in college, my best friend, the person who knew me best, the person who could call uh, call me uh, on stuff when I was being unfair or uh, who understood me the best was a woman. And, yeah. and yet when I met, uh, got engaged and married my wife, uh, this woman was anathema. Uh, yeah. You know, even though uh, my friend wanted to be friends with my wife and oh, yeah. sought a relationship with her, my wife could not have anything to do with this woman. And 25 years later, um, it is still a bitter point of resentment that uh, I could confide in my friend where I could not confide uh, necessarily as easily uh, in my wife. And that, that brings up a point. Is one of the boundaries that you recommend is that – so let's say that you have uh, a man and a woman who are serving as uh, – uh, Sunday school teachers in a church teaching fifth graders and they get to know each other over time. They go to committee meetings. They see each other every Sunday morning. They may speak on the phone or trade emails or texts about planning and they get to know each other. Yeah. Uh, are you saying that one of the boundaries will we'll walk me through that? Uh, what, what boundaries would you want between those two people? Um, so if we're assuming that people are married, um, in this story that, uh, those sort of boundaries are best set in discussion with with spouses. Um, so, for example, the boundaries I have with one woman may not be the same uh, as with another woman. Uh, I don't have a lot of set boundaries where I, I will say um, I will never have a cup of coffee with a woman. Or it, it depends on the woman. It depends. Am I comfortable with her? Is my wife comfortable with her? Um, and, you know, even as I'm saying this and being an advocate of friendships across the gender, it needs to be done in the context of discussion with your spouse if you're married. Uh, you know, if I would certainly suggest if anyone out there thinks about getting this book and they're married, um, that's a great thing to read with your spouse to talk about. Um, uh, and then within the context of that, the marriage, the trust that you two have, culture, places that you live, they also play a role in it. Bound, the appropriate boundaries need to be set. I mean, we have, we have boundaries with even men uh, that we know. There are certain men we don't want to go out drinking with because they always talk bad about their wives or they tell crude jokes or they can be a bad influence on us. Um, and so boundaries are important and we don't want to be crossing boundaries that our spouse is uncomfortable. <laughs> Joshua just described all of my male friends. <laughs> I uh, uh, okay to 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 do uh, to make a generalization. Um, I, it's my experience that this is probably easier for the average guy than it is for the average girl. 
I've noticed this. I've raised boys and girls, and uh, I've seen this distress among girls where they'll form a very tight emotional friendship with another girl, and then all hell breaks loose when another girl shows up. It's what, yeah. sure. what they call a triad. Yeah. I've never heard a guy go, well, I was really, really good friends with Bob, and Jim, he came, and Jim's trying to steal Bob from me, and I just can't believe I Right. Right? We don't do that. It's uh, There is uh, an instinct. That, so I, my, would you agree that this, as a rule, is going to be an easier sell to men than it is to women? Yeah, I mean, obviously there are exceptions on both sides. Right. Um, I'm, I'm actually one of those exceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, men find, tend to find more of their security in their accomplishments, their career, their success, whereas women tend to find a lot of their sense of security in their relational network. Mm-hmm. Um, so for men, if their job is threatened, if their success is threatened, if they lose, if they don't get the promotion, a lot of anxiety, uh, a lot of security issues. And for women, it has to do with relationships. I tend to be quite a relational person uh, as a male. Mm-hmm. So when friends, whether they're male friends or female friends, when those if those issues come up in those friendships they're not working well it, it can bring anxiety to me but you can handle multiple i think guys can handle multiple friendships more easily as yeah. a rule yeah than yeah. than than girl the girls tend to want more exclusivity in their tight friendships than men do and, and a lot of wrong? research that that i did on small group theory there's something called you have singular relational people, small group relational people, and large group relational people. Uh-huh. And one of the problems in marriage, one of the conflicts in marriage that can come out in a small group is that if, uh, let's say, the husband uh-huh. is large group relational and yeah. the wife is singular relational. Yeah. So now the guy is gregarious. He wants to know everybody. He, uh, you know, he can't wait to you know go out on the retreat where all the couples go together to yeah. you know Eureka Springs, Arkansas, and have a good time and see a show. And and the <clears throat> wife just wants to have Arkansas. Conversations. Really, Arkansas? <laughs> it was the first thing that came to okay, mind. All right, okay. Go ahead. So I lived there for eleven years. So okay. Uh, so yeah, the woman wants to just have coffee around the kitchen table with one while the kids are at Mother's Day out. Uh-huh. And and then that, that conflict comes in. I think that idea of singular singular relational, small group relational, large group relational can play into the relationships we have with others in, in, uh, in, and cross-gender relationships as well. Okay. And I think that would be something to understand in marriage that would be helpful as you're moving forward. Have you run into any of that, Joshua, in your research and in your life? Um, well, I'm, I'm an introvert. Um, and so by personality, I tend to have lots of acquaintances, but then uh, just a few, a tight circle of close friends. That uh, that I confide in, so I'm um, not as much the extrovert, uh, similar to the male you described. Um, yeah, m- men and women, uh, they can be different, but there, I've seen a lot of exceptions to this as well. There are mm-hmm. times there are people I know where the wife is very extroverted, the male is very introverted, um, and. Uh, all these factors when we talk about cross-gender friendships and how to relate and the, the practical boundaries, the, they really need to be personalized with each couple, which means lots of communication. What we, one thing we are saying is that there are, there are no secret friendships. Right. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Okay. That's true of my friendships with men, too. Uh-huh. Sure. That's yeah. not okay. just something that if I have a 
all my best male friends that I spend time with, my wife knows, has met them and knows about them and has no problem with me spending time with them either. Okay. Help me understand, Joshua, how you would define an emotional affair. Because as it's been defined to me and lived out in my life, it's a relationship with someone of the opposite sex that crosses a boundary to where uh, intimate things are discussed. Not not talking sexual, but intimate things like uh, a married man and a married woman building a friendship and they begin to talk about their spouses with each other and the, the difficulties that they're having in marriage. They find a confidant in the person of the opposite gender, that would be an emotional affair. It can go farther than that. It's a recipe for disaster. So where where do you draw the line between a good friendship and an emotional affair? Okay, so I've one, I've one whole chapter in the, in the book, uh, Forbidden Friendships, dealing with this term, uh, emotional affair or, or emotional adultery. Um, and I say I, I don't believe it's the best term. Um, classically... We as Christians have used other terms to describe the sort of uh, pain and hurt and, and destruction that you're describing. Um, emotional adultery and emotional affair are kind of new terms that have come into the church through pop psychology. And whereas they're not um, they're not fantasy things, they, they describe real uh, unhealthy uh, emotional um, and relational patterns. It can. Um, it can lead us to the mistaken idea that adultery can be committed uh, purely on an emotional level with, um, with no sex happening. And, and biblically, adultery is sex. Well, but I mean, doesn't, doesn't Jesus say if I, if I lust after a woman in my heart that I've, I've, I mean, paraphrasing, that I've had sex with her? Yeah, I mean, in the Old Testament, you wouldn't have been stoned for that. Um, so when Moses talks about adultery, and thou shalt not commit adultery, um, and, and the death penalty for uh, that would happen if you committed adultery, th- that wasn't describing uh, secret lust or, or even crossing any emotional boundaries. It, it, it really was sex. Um, Jesus, of course, highlights that before God, uh, you know, we can be wrapped up with lust that can be ever bit as destructive as as real adultery. Um, but in the past, well, a lot of times when people talk about emotional affair, emotional adultery, we're talking about covetousness, we're talking about jealousy, we're talking about uh, not preferring the spouse, dishonoring your spouse. Um, there are a lot of perhaps more precise terms that we could use to describe the, the very real, or lust even, uh, you know, the, the very real sins that are committed, I think, when people use this term emotional affair. Mm-hmm. Well, I will be uh, very interested to hear uh, what reaction we get from listeners. Uh, and I, I would say, I, I don't want to, if I may, yeah. uh, sorry to cut you off, Nate. You know, I, I think one of the, the problems, and I highlight this in the chapter, right now, the, some people are making a lot of money off this term emotional adultery and emotional affair. Uh, there's lots of articles being written in women's magazines that kind of build on a woman's relational insecurities and jealousies where they just sort of feed into this. Is your wife having, is your husband having an emotional affair at work? Is he having that? And they have like all these, you know, check boxes and different questions you can ask to, to find out if your husband is having this uh, emotional affair. Um, and, and this thinking is without a lot of discernment slept into the church. I, I know of one pastoral issue in a church here in the north of England where, um, uh, it was one Sunday after uh, church, 
uh, and people, very typical here in England, uh, after a service, people stand around and have tea and coffee. And so people there were drinking their hot tea, their hot coffee. And um, a wife saw her husband uh, speaking to uh, another woman in the congregation. Once again, it's in the sanctuary. It's open. Everyone's talking. He's having this engaging conversation with another woman. And uh, she comes up to the, her husband and this other woman, and she pours the hot coffee on her husband and starts to beat the other woman, actually physically attack her. And um, obviously it was a mess. It's a, a lot of harm calls to the church. But what it was, was it was a naturally insecure woman that had been reading a lot of these women's journals and uh, talking about husbands having emotional affairs. And, and in the end, nothing had actually transpired between these two. Um, but uh, I know one guy. I know another guy who he, um, he was trying to know if his friendship with a woman was safe and you know, appropriate and sort of cross-gender friendships was new to him. And he chatted with me about it and he said he came across one of these tests uh, online, how to know if you're committing an emotional affair. And there's some boxes you can tick. And he ended up ticking like five out of the ten boxes. And he felt really guilty and ashamed about this. Um, and he said, I, I think I've just committed an emotional affair without realizing it. I thought I just had a friendship, but apparently I've, I've committed this emotional affair. And, and I asked him just to think about a couple of his male friends and then take the test. And, and sure enough, he ticked just about the same boxes. Um, so according to this test, he was not just having an emotional affair with this woman, but with several of his closest guy friends. Mm -hmm. um, and so the questions are usually very ambiguous. Do you look forward to seeing this person? Uh, if they're not there? Are you happy when you get an email or a text message from them? Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's big money in this. So, so then where, so what's the, I mean, cause I, I mean, I have, I have female, I have women, right? There are women in my life that I'm friends with, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I'll say friends kind of in that casual way, like the occasional text message or, you know, like that maybe she likes the same sports team or like we both like Bruce Springsteen. And so if he's on, yeah. if there's a Springsteen special on HBO, I'll shoot her a text and say, Hey, this is on HBO or whatever. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm not going to confide in her. Sure. It's just, that's not our relationship. Yeah. Um, where is that? But there is a line. There's gotta be a line somewhere, right? Where's that line where I, where I know, okay, I'm in murky territory. Um, yeah. like it, it's got to be somewhere, right? Because it exists in male relationships. Like, I'm crossing boundaries in a male relationship of of intimacy or whatever. Where where is that line? How does a man, you know, like me, right? That has, you know, women that I know from church or through my wife or whatever. How do I know that line between someone that I can be friendly with and have a casual friendship, and someone that I can be, and I'm using air quotes here friends with like intimate friends yeah i think with all our friends they need to be tested um i i these things are built over time sure. there i wouldn't entrust myself i wouldn't give confidence away to to any man or woman that i don't have a lot of trust in 
Um, if it's a woman or a man, I need to ask, does this person support my marriage? Do they respect my wife? Um, uh, are they trustworthy? Uh, sure. And is there anything about this friendship that I'm trying to hide from my wife that okay. I wouldn't want her to know about? Um, you know, if I've had some phone conversation with this woman or if I was out and happened to see this woman and we stopped and got a coffee, is there anything we're talking about that uh, I would hide from her or be ashamed of if, um, if other people were around? Okay. So if, if that happens... Yeah. If um, a married man runs into a married woman he knows and they stop in the mall and have a coffee at Starbucks and yeah. the sparks fly, what does he do? What do you mean uh, if the he, sparks fly? Meaning if, if, if all of a sudden he's attracted to her more than he, expe- than he, just, expected, than he expected. What if, if friendship he, goes to desire. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it sounds, well, if that happens, if you sit down and sparks begin to fly, chances are you, the woman is sort of new to your life. You don't have a, a long history of friendship with this person. Um, that's a, I think that's a big pre- typically, presupposition. Typically sparks fly early on in a relationship. Okay. Um, and, it, and it's something, you know, when I usually in, a, in any given relationship, it's kind of early on where the cement is still wet. You're kind of wondering, where is this going? Is this person flirtatious? Is she not flirtatious? Will she respect me as a married man? Will she not? Um, I can think of a lot of women that if I saw, I would not want to stop and have a cup of coffee with them because I don't really know them. I don't trust them. And then there are others I've known for 20 years. They're friends with my wife. They know my family. If I saw them, perhaps I would sit down. Once again, I'm not either advocating that or not advocating that. That's, sure. Mm-hmm. That, that's a personal practice. Um, uh, yeah. I'm not sure I answered your question there. <laughs> okay. Hey, I have I have to ask you this, Joshua. I hear a little background noise. Are, are you in a coffee house now or a pub? Yeah, I am. I'm I'm in a, I'm out of town. I'm in a coffee house at the moment. Oh, okay. Uh, so there's a little music in the background you might hear. All right. Are you sitting alone or are you sitting? With... I am. I'm okay. With, yeah, I'm not with any friend. <laughs> okay. Male or female. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. Wonderful. But well. Uh, Joshua, thank you for attacking a yeah. uh, delicate and controversial yeah. uh, topic and, uh, and walking to the edge and not necessarily taking this safe. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I, I want to say this out loud. Like, it seems like a lot of times we have interviews with people that we agree with things on. Yeah. And this is one that, I, I mean, just sitting in the room, Joshua, you can't see us. But, like, all of us are sort of like, God, this doesn't feel quite right. And so I want to acknowledge that, like, in like sort of on on the air so to yeah, speak yeah and then and just say thanks because i think we're like we're pushing on you to try to understand it yeah. and 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 respectfully and and i think i think as a conversation this is an important conversation to have yes, yes. even even if we sort of land not so much on the same side of the table about it mm-hmm. i think it's a conversation if nothing else like the four of us just had a conversation about something that we don't all agree on. Yeah. And we didn't call anybody names. <laughs> a, we didn't throw anything. Yeah. And and so I Joshua made I some great say, points about I just want to say that, that flex, I do yeah. that I respect that yeah. and and I appreciate the time. Awesome. So. Wonderful. Then well thank you very much. If I can just a closing thank you. Thank you so much to, to Nate and you guys for what you do um, with uh, Samson Society, you know, both myself and um, uh, those we used to have a group of pirate monks that met mm. um, previously in Nottingham. 
very much blessed by it and gave um, gave a lot of meaning to the word brother. In uh. church, sometimes we call each other brothers, and um, but really it helped give those uh, terms greater significance. Well, thank you. Thank you, Joshua. How can our uh, readers, uh, our listeners, find you and find the book? What's the best way for them to do it? Amazon. Uh, uh-huh. Whether you're in the UK or in Europe or America, Amazon.com.co.uk can get in Kindle or, or paperback. Um, at the very end, I put an email address. If you read the book and have thoughts on it, you can email me and give me your thoughts. Uh, either, either way, whether you found it encouraging or you, you want to discuss the issue. Uh, that's fine. So that, that's how you can get a book, Forbidden Friendships. Wonderful. Awesome. Thanks, Joshua. Sure. Well, thank you guys for having me on the show. All right. I'll see you next time we're in England. <laughs> Look forward to it. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. You say either and I say either. You say neither. I say neither. Either, either. Neither, neither. Let's call the whole thing off. You say potato, I say patata, you say tomato, I say creole tomato. Oh, let's call the whole thing off. Oh, if we call the whole thing off, then we must part. And oh, if we ever part, that would break my heart. So I say oyster, you say oyster I'm not gonna stop eating oysters Just cause you say oysters Let's call the whole thing off And welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast And, and Nate, I have to say that his, his assertion that we need to treat women who are fellow believers as sisters in Christ and not avoid those relationships for all of these cultural trappings mm-hmm. is really important. And that really challenged me as I as I reviewed sure. the material because I've done that yeah. for yeah. so long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, I, we can kind of adopt this uh, kind of Islamic approach where if there's lust, it's, it's her fault, and the way to solve it is to... Uh, put her out of sight. Don't allow her in public. Uh, make her cover up. And right, uh, right, and and that does not it can't possibly be my heart. Yeah, that doesn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, and if this porn use statistics among Arab nations are any indication, that is not an effective way to deal with lust. On the other side, there was there yeah, there were. I, I'm still kind of struggling with th- with this thing, uh, partly from my own. Uh, awareness of my own weakness and vulnerability. I, actually, I've never, you know, my my sexual stupidity. I never wanted to cross the line to have what I considered to be an affair. I never wanted to be emotionally involved with a woman, right. which is why I paid. Uh, sure. To tell myself it was just a transaction. I've got other friends who are, you know, took comfort in the fact that they never paid. To them, it meant something, and for those guys, it's even more dangerous to get close emotionally. Yeah. Um. And I don't. I mean, Josh, I suppose you know. I Josh says, "What do you think about this? That if you know a woman long enough, you're not going to lust after her." I, man, I, I don't know. 
Like, yeah. But because I like I'm I'm a person I I I'm attracted with my eyes. Uh huh. But I also get attracted emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing with a man. Yeah. Like I, I mean, Nate, I'm not attracted to you visibly yeah right yeah. but i'm attracted <laughs> obviously to you, right. but i'm attracted to you emotionally right yeah yeah and that's yeah. healthy yeah 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 right uh-huh. i'm an emotional being yeah so at some point if i'm spending time with a woman it's because i'm attracted to her uh-huh yeah and to me the longer i know somebody the more or less attractive they become yeah it's not a static thing right and i wish i could have said this i wish i could have articulated this when i was trying to ask him about it but yeah to me time is a magnifier a multiplier yeah I become less or more attracted to you. Uh-huh. Um, and so I think, to me, it's the longer I know someone and spend time with them, if we move from, and I think I misstated it when I tried to ask the question, if I move from a casual friendship, a cra- casual relationship, uh-huh. sports, sports, beer, and music, right? right, to heart matters, Yeah. I, I, man, it's, it's greasy. Yeah. Well, I just I think you know what we know is normative, so I don't have any major statistics on this. But the two men I I know who blew up their marriages with affairs, right? With with women they knew, yeah. They were women that they knew for a long time, yeah. And as the marriages cooled, right? These other women still accepted the men for who they were, right? And liked them for what they accomplished, and gave you know didn't give them a crap about their pot belly, right? And they end up swerving into affairs with these women. Again, that's just yeah. my experience just seeing two guys uh, in the church that I used to go to a number of years ago mm-hmm. crash their marriages. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I don't know. And here's the big thing with Joshua is that the emotional health of the relationship, the marriage relationship, yeah. has to be at such a high level yes, sure. that a lot of the marriages that we know, the brothers that we walk with, I mean, that we know my own marriage for – a lot of the time yeah. was not at, an, at the level where I could have come home and said, you know, hey, I had this had this, you know, great lunch with with so and so. And it was just so much fun. I had no clue that that she spoke French and and traveled. Yeah. Yeah. That would have gone over horribly. Yeah. In, right, in right. my former marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And the, it's uh, I don't know how many marriages I know that have busted up over classmates.com or facebook.com sure. there is kind of this tendency when we're when we're feeling wounded when we're feeling alone when we're feeling afraid when the marriage starts to get some trouble i'll go back to those old friendships that i had in my mind yeah and it's ridiculous sometimes these people connect after 50 years yeah. right uh, yeah. again that's probably a fantasy friendship right it, it, it may have been an unhealthy thing to begin with yes but still we don't live in a utopian world yeah. where i can approach every friendship in a yeah. healthy way yeah. i approach it like i am yeah you know but joshua joshua has something to say and so the, 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 uh, the so the question is you know how do i not adopt the muslim solution sure and put myself in a solely male world how do i as he so beautifully quoted treat older women as mothers younger women as uh, sisters uh yeah. Well, I think to me, like groups. Yeah. You know, it's really easy for family, friends, that kind of thing, couples, yeah. relationship, yeah. community. Yeah. Um, to, to me, and I'm just thinking, like, speaking strictly for me, like, if we're in a, if my wife and I are in a social situation, Brooke and I go to a party. Yeah. I have, I've got no problem hanging out and talking with a bunch of women. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and having conversation and being friends with them. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, and shooting them a text message later or whatever, like, hey, we're going to get together this, we're going to yeah. do that. Like having, again, quotes, private conversations. Yeah. I've gone to lunch with, with female friends. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I, th- I think that ongoing conversation, that ongoing relationship is not something that I think, for me, that I'm totally comfortable with, you know? By the way, I'm going to restate something I said earlier. This does not always happen with a member of the opposite sex. Sure. I mean, I had a long conversation just this week with a fellow whose marriage really ended when his wife uh, wound up in a very uh, emotionally intense uh, friendship with another woman that, from all indications, never went sexual. Uh, there is an old, uh, I guess you could still sue these days for something called alienation of affection. Huh. Hmm. Uh, and, and I've seen it happen a few times around Samson Society, where a guy comes in, uh, he develops real deep friendships with other guys, mm-hmm. the marriage is a little rocky, and the wife is threatened by his the intensity of his friendships and what he's telling guys that he will not tell her. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we need friendships, and I think for those of us who are married, we've got to work to make that, that marriage relationship and I the think, primary one. And I think you just kick, like hit on something. The thing you communicate with your wife compared to the thing you or spouse, because we got lady yeah. listeners, the things you communicate with your spouse compared to the things you communicate with that friend. Yeah, there shouldn't be, at least in my estimation, in my life, there shouldn't be anything that I won't talk with Brooke about that I will talk about with someone else. Yes, I may have to talk about it differently. I've learned that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I may have. To, I may have to say it differently and couch it. Yeah. put it in different ways but if i will talk with my silas about something that i won't talk with her about mm-hmm. to me that isn't healthy yeah that may not be the case for everybody but to me that means i'm hiding mm-hmm. and if i'm hiding from my wife i'm hiding something yeah and we can't make the excuse and i've done this and this may have been something that led to the end of mine and that is that there were times in talking with guys there were things that i would i would tell myself i'm willing to talk about Kay with this mm-hmm. but i never would mm-hmm. sure yeah. I, I would never follow through on yeah. that. Yeah. And and because I was threatened by the relationship, I didn't want to hear her side of the equation. I didn't want to, you know, go yeah. through all the the roller coaster that we went through in communication. Yeah. That yeah. Way. yeah. Yeah. But I mean I would I would encourage guys, like as you're saying that, Mark, I mean, I would encourage anyone, like if there are things that again you would tell someone else that you wouldn't tell your spouse. Yeah. That may be an indicator of the health of your relationship. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And that may be that may be something that that I should pause on, and think about, like how how do I correct that? Is it like where is that rub? What's that issue? What am I looking for in one on one side that I'm not getting on the other? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. how did you rebuild friendship with Allie? Uh, with beer and cards, basically. Uh, but you didn't just rebuild the romantic relationship and the parental oh, relationship. You had to rebuild friendship. Too. Oh, absolutely. Did you guys do that first? Or second, what's that? In what order did friendship versus romantic relationship versus partnership? It, it was. It was. It was not friendship. I mean, she was. Although, I mean, she would say, you know, I still love you, but I don't like you. Yeah. I mean, this she had this very intense. It's not like she didn't care. She didn't. She never went to indifference. She could have, and if she had, it would have been over. Right. Uh, and I think she came close to that edge. Of just mm-hmm. kind of checking out and saying, "Well, just do whatever the hell you want," because I don't care anymore. Um, 
and we were civil for a while and uh, and, you know and and we had an in-house separation for a while and then we learned to re-engage over you know household business what, what what has to be done and then we did find that in the evenings even when we couldn't talk we could play cards and it helped to have for us helped to have a couple beers at the time yeah. And so I find it kind of funny that two things that would have sent me to hell when I was a kid helped to save my marriage. Uh, and, you know, over time, as she began to see transformation and began to give, give a little bit of trust and see it rewarded, um, you know, eventually that friendship came back. And today our friendship is is so much deeper than, it's, than, it, than it ever was, even in those heady first... A uh, few months of total infatuation. Hmm. So it's a beautiful thing. Hey, um, I, I'm really interested to see how this impacts the thinking of our listeners. What stories does this prompt in your heart? What what fears? What questions? Do you resonate with what Joshua was saying? Do you say, yeah, it's about time somebody uh, 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 took a position like this, or sure. or uh, do you hear alarm bells that? just scare the bejesus out of you um and you feel like you really ought to balance the conversation either way we would love to hear from you what's the what are some of the ways people can talk to us well you can always respond to us on facebook uh, mm-hmm. please come and be a part of the facebook uh, community at pirate monk radio uh, <clears throat> you can respond on the show notes at piratemonkpodcast.com you can leave comments there uh, you can leave a voicemail there there's a telephone number you can call and leave us a, a traditional voicemail as well and there's an email address and that email address is Pirate Monk Podcast at gmail.com. So let's let's hear from you, and in a future episode, we'll come back and, and revisit this. I know Aaron had some strong opinions on it as well. Aaron um, had strong opinions? Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think we have reached the end of our time. Thanks, fellas. Good. Yeah. And, uh, I look forward to, and I will be in town next Wednesday excellent for another for another episode then I'm going to be gone for a couple we'll have to figure that out cool alright so uh, until next week Aaron's not here I'm Nate I'm Newton I'm Mark we're your buddies here on the Pirate Monk Podcast yeah. uh-huh. oh, Junior baby. Preaching recovery. Yeah.